Welcome, my friends. This is James Corbett of The Corbett Report, podcasting to you on the 30th day of November, 2008. As I'm busily working behind the scenes on the forthcoming Corbett Report documentary, Al-Qaeda Doesn't Exist, I'd like to present on the podcast today an audio documentary that I put together on the topic of vaccines as silent weapons. As always, please go to CorbettReport.com and click on the documentation link under today's episode to find links to all of the videos and audio sources used in the making of this audio documentary. I hope you find it interesting and useful in your own research. And now, without further ado, I present to you the audio documentary, Vaccines as Silent Weapons. He has fever, he is listless, and his pulse is rapid. But what's going on inside the child's body? shown here black hexagons, have infected his body through the bloodstream. The germs are repelling these amoeba white cells whose work it is to remove foreign materials from his blood. The white cells cannot dispose of them. But under stimulus of the germs, tiny particles called antibodies are being produced and poured into his bloodstream. The antibodies attach themselves to the germs and so change the germs that the white cells can engulf them. At first, the germs increase faster than the antibodies. If this continues, the patient gets steadily worse and may even die. Usually, however, as in this case, antibodies are produced faster than they are up, and it becomes only a matter of time until the germs are all disposed of and the patient recovers. What's more, he now has a surplus of antibodies that will aid him to resist future attacks of the same disease. And so this child has what we call active immunity because he has developed his own antibodies. He has acquired this active immunity by actually having the disease. Fortunately, there is a safer way to get immunity. This is through vaccination. In vaccination, a substance called a vaccine is introduced into the body. The body responds by developing antibodies, just as in the case of an actual infectious disease. Unlike the disease, however, a vaccine does not endanger life. Let's study three types of vaccines. Calves are the source of smallpox vaccine. Cattle are subject to a weakened form of smallpox called cowpox. Large quantities of vaccine are produced by infecting healthy calves like this one with live cowpox virus. The virus multiplies rapidly, and by the fifth day, crusts have formed on the skin wherever the calf was infected. These crusts are collected. They contain the live germs which will serve as vaccine for human beings. Glycerin is added as a preservative and to provide a vaccine in fluid form. From this mixture, individual doses of the vaccine are prepared. The vaccine may be supplied in a capillary tube like this and applied directly to the skin from the tube. In this disease, the antibodies dispose of the germs probably without the help of white cells. The child is safe from smallpox for several years. Another type of virus vaccine is used to protect against poliomyelitis. Here, a second type of vaccine is being made. Pneumococci, the germs that cause lobar pneumonia, are being used. For this vaccine, dead germs are needed. 
because there is no weakened form of pneumococci, as there is of smallpox virus. The live germs are killed with chemicals or with heat, as in this case. Now let's see how this vaccine, made from dead germs, works when injected into a live animal. The effect would be the same in a human patient. In the rabbit's bloodstream, the dead germs, shown as pairs of ovals, stimulate the formation of antibodies. As additional injections are given, more and more antibodies form and combine with the germs, which are then removed by the white cells. This rabbit has now developed active immunity to pneumococcus infections. Now let's take a sample of this blood. The antibodies in the blood of this immune rabbit will attack pneumococci germs wherever they encounter them. After standing a few hours, the blood clots and a serum containing the antibodies separate. When a few drops of this serum are added to a culture of pneumococci, the antibodies come in contact with the germs. Clumps of germs and antibodies settle to the bottom. This is called agglutination. Now let's see how the same serum acts in the case of a rabbit already stricken with a pneumococcus infection. First, the serum is injected into the rabbit's bloodstream. Soon, the antibodies in the acquired serum begin helping the white cells dispose of the germs. In about two days, the rabbit recovers. He has passive immunity. Passive because he did not develop his own antibodies, but acquired them from the serum of another rabbit. A third type of vaccine involves the use of poison given off by certain kinds of bacteria. In diphtheria, illness is produced by this poison or toxin. The toxin is first separated from the bacteria. Next, formaldehyde is added to the toxin. Formaldehyde counteracts the poison, but does not destroy its ability to stimulate the production of antibodies. The resulting vaccine is called diphtheria toxoid. The toxoid is packaged ready for use. It is safe even for tiny babies, and doctors usually recommend vaccinating children against diphtheria before they are one year old. When a child is given this injection, the toxoid stimulates the production of antibodies. These antibodies are effective against diphtheria toxin. After an interval of time, a second dose of toxoid should be given. This is called a booster dose. If this is done, the child will usually be immune to diphtheria throughout childhood and need not fear the disease, even though it is right next door. Techniques for controlling infectious diseases have been developed primarily through the work of scientists whose painstaking search for new knowledge and improved methods is never-ending. Animals, too, play an important role in the experimental development and in the production of vaccines. Vaccines against the diseases we have studied and against many others, including typhoid, tetanus, cholera, typhus, and plague. Commercial laboratories make possible the large-scale production of vaccines that meet required standards. Finally, the campaign against infectious disease can succeed only if the public cooperates. Most important of all is vaccination in the early years of life. Many infectious diseases can be brought completely under control when vaccination against them is practiced universally. Health Canada says the best way to avoid the flu is vaccination, which in many provinces is free. 
Well, let's see if these recent flu shot recipients can help reveal the mystery of why Cheetos and Pop-Tarts list their ingredients while vaccines do their best not to. Are you aware of the ingredients in the vaccine? Uh, I know there's some egg products. I don't think they offered us a list of ingredients, though. That, no, I don't know. This is blind faith for me. But did you know that there's uh, mercury in that shot? No, I didn't. Oh, I did not, no. Are you glad that it's free? Yes. But you know it's not really free. Yes. Well, it's paying for, through our taxes, right? So, If I sneeze right now, would you be okay with that? No. Well, these people confirm two things. Some are happy to wait in line for a secret serum, and nobody likes getting sneezed on. But what if drug companies are right? What if tricking your body into thinking it's already sick doesn't make you sick? What if there's not enough vaccine to go around? You should know that making your own is easier than brewing your own beer. And it could save your life. Well, the first thing you need is a live virus. Now, is there anyone here suffering from the flu? Sir, would you favor us by discharging directly onto these chicken embryos? Anything I can do to help. Okay. We now have our chicken embryos and our live virus. Now, from the pickled frog jar at your local school's biology class, we'll keep that virus dead like the drug companies do with formaldehyde. Now, careful, don't get any frog in the mix. That'd be gross. Now, uh, let's add a little ether. Careful, don't fall asleep. And then we dump some detergent in there. That keeps it clean. And... Remember when your mother lost her mind when you played with mercury because it never leaves your body? Well, that makes it a great preservative. If you have a thermometer... Well, staying healthy is a lot more important than room temperature. Now, all of this goes into the centrifuge, like this blender, and... Hey, hey, hey! It's vaccine for the whole family. Well, the debate over whether vaccines usually don't work or aren't fully safe may never end, which at least explains why the contents are rarely publicized. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just... I'm just, I'm just. But it's government recommended. Oh, well, that's my eye on the flu shot. say nothing's given to the public for your benefit. We live in a horror show when you really understand the magnitude of what's been going on with the eugenics program, or with statements that are not coming from just one little person like Prince Philip, about too many people on the planet, and that's why this is, there's not enough food. Suddenly there's not enough food. Uh, just at the end when the five active businesses have completed buying up the whole world's food supply, there's not enough food as governments since World War II have been putting pressure on small farmers to push them out of business. This is a planned agenda because they wanted a vastly reduced population and they talked about it freely amongst themselves and wrote about it freely over a hundred years ago. When the big heroes like Dr. Salk, this creator of the polio vaccine, which he took the credit for most of it, but there was others involved, Knowing, knowing that they had all these over a hundred live monkey viruses, simian viruses, in every shot, including the simian 40 virus, which causes cancer, that's all it does. This is only functions that cause cancer. 
NDP people really were terrified of polio because a massive publicity campaign had been used over old cinemas at the time before television really caught on in the West. And every newscast you saw at the Path News in the cinema would show you the same boy in the iron lung, just like the same mad cow crossing the same barn that, that, that ended up killing all the cattle of Britain. You hype up something and make it fearful. And people were paranoid about polio, even though it killed fewer people than the average flu did every year. And you've got the skyrocketing cancer rates today. It's just incredible. Well, people are worried now about getting vaccines. At least some are. Some who are woken up past all the propaganda. And remember what Jack Elal said. He said that all entertainment when it comes to law enforcement, the medical establishment, any authority, these are authorities, you say, that now have mandates and authority over you. He says they're all propaganda. So you glorify the doctors, you glorify the medical profession until you trust them totally. They're holy people walking on water. And you're ignorant and you're so well-educated. And you do as you're told and you bring little Tommy in for his injections. Then he gets autistic. And you still won't blame them because it's just bad luck. And the doctor himself will have to put it down to that or face the truth. If he faces the truth, he'd have to re-examine everything he'd ever been taught. Most will never do that. They get paid too well. Well, here's a, a particular admission, and this is this is says here: world's leading vaccine expert admits Merck, that's Merck Corporation, who do so many of these vaccines, injected cancer viruses. This is from LiveLeak.com. Merck drug company, company vaccines and this injecting cancer viruses. The stunning censored interview. And interviews there, you can go into their site. You'll hear uh, this particular scientist who was more famous, in a sense, than than uh, than most of them, because he created a lot of these different childhood inoculations that are still in use today. You hear him talking about this and admitting what I've been telling you all along. It says here. This interview conducted by medical historian Edward Shorter for WGBH Public Television, Boston, and Blackwell Science was cut from the health century due to its huge liability. The admission that Merck drug company vaccines have traditionally been injecting cancer viruses such as SV40 and others in people worldwide. The segment of In Lies We Trust, the CIA, Hollywood, and bioterrorism produced and freely contributed by consumer protector and public health expert Dr. Leonard Horowitz, features the world's leading vaccine expert Dr. Maurice Hilleman. Dr. Maurice Hilleman does speak on this video. He tells you everything I'm saying uh, very casually too. And he explains why Merck's vaccines have spread AIDS, he claims, leukemia and other horrific plagues worldwide. It says here, please forward the clip to everyone you know who thinks vaccines are safe and effective and that's a good idea if you're in you're questioning about it right now I've had so many parents generally one parent out of two who's woken up the other one hasn't they're still in the, the worship the television doctor uh, type of status and the children's lives are at risk here and their health is, is at tremendous risk now do you know that the average IQ the same tests have been used for about 50 years the United Nations dropped at a few points because with a new normal, it's lower. But why? Why do you think that is? You're born with an IQ. It's incredible what's going on. 
but the propaganda is meant to overcome it. Think for yourselves before it's too late. Back with more after this break. Listen now to the voice of the world's leading vaccine expert, Dr. Maurice Hilleman, chief of the Merck Pharmaceutical Company's vaccine division, relay this problem he was having with imported monkeys. He best explains the origin of AIDS, but what you are about to hear was cut from any public disclosures. And I think that vaccines have to be considered the, the bargain basement technology for the 20th century. Fifty years ago, when Morris Hilleman was a high school student in Miles City, Montana, he hoped he might qualify as a management trainee for the local J.C. Penney store. Instead, he went on to pioneer more breakthroughs in vaccine research and development than anyone in the history of American medicine. Among the discoveries he made at Merck are vaccines for mumps, rubella, and measles, Tell me uh, how you found SV40 in the polio vaccine. Well, that was a Merck thing. Okay. Yeah, I came to Merck, and uh, I was going to develop vaccines. Mm -hmm. And we had wild viruses in those days. Remember the wild monkey kidney viruses and so forth? And I finally, after six months, gave up. I said that you cannot develop vaccines with these damn monkeys. We're, we're finished. And if I can't do something, I'm going to quit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. So I went down to see Bill Mann at the zoo in Washington, D.C. And I told Bill Mann, I said, look, here's a, I got a problem. I don't know what the hell to do. Bill Mann is a real bright guy. I said, these lousy monkeys are picking it up while being stored in the airports in transit at these loading, offloading. Mm -hmm. He said, it's very simple. He said, you go ahead. Get your monkeys out of West Africa and get the African green, bring them into Madrid, unload them there. There are no other traffic through there for animals. Fly them into Philadelphia, pick them up. Or fly them into New York and pick them up right off the airplane. So I brought African greens and I didn't know we were importing AIDS virus at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, however, the very innovations that are making possible dramatic improvements in human well-being are also creating new problems which raise the specter of an alarming and possibly catastrophic disaster to the biosphere we live in. And herein lies the dilemma that we all face. Let me illustrate. Improved public health has caused the world's infant mortality rate to decline by 60% over the last 40 years. In the same period, the world's average life expectancy has increased from 46 years in 1950s to 63 years today. This is a development which, as individuals, we can only applaud. However, the result of these positive measures is a world population that has risen during the same short period of time geometrically 
to almost 6 billion people and could easily exceed six billion, 8 billion by the year 2020. The negative impact of population growth on all of our planetary ecosystems is becoming appallingly evident. The rapid growing exploitation of the world's supply of energy and water is a matter of deep concern. And the toxic byproducts of widespread industrialization have increased atmospheric pollution to dangerous levels. Unless nations will agree to work together to tackle these cross-border challenges posed by population growth, overconsumption of resources, and environmental degradation, the prospects for a decent life on our planet will be threatened. The recent UN meeting in Cairo is appropriately focused on one of these key issues, population growth. But the controversies which have erupted at the conference illustrate the problem of coming to grips with issues that are deeply divisive and which have a profound moral dimension. The United Nations can and should play an essential role in helping the world find a satisfactory way of stabilizing world population and stimulating economic development in a manner that is sensitive to religious and moral considerations. Economic growth is, of course, an in inevitable corollary of a growing population and is essential to improve standards of living. But without careful coordination, unrestrained economic growth poses further threats to our environment. This was a major subject of discussion at the conference in Rio de Janeiro on the environment two years ago. The focus then was on sustainable growth and global development. It was pointed out at the conference that growth is most efficiently managed by the private sector, but regulation of the process by national governments and international bodies is also needed. And once again, the United Nations should certainly be among the catalysts and coordinators of this process. Um, leaders in this effort, really, who have been so extraordinary and, and have provided a beacon um, for uh, so much work in the areas of global health and global development are our colleagues at the Gates Foundation. And so it's a special privilege for me, a, a real honor for me, to introduce this year's second David Rockefeller Bridging Leadership Awardees, Bill Gates, Melinda French Gates, and William Gates Sr. Um, we honor them for their leadership and work in promoting health and development and education around the world. Um, they are revolutionizing access to vaccines, and Bill Sr. talked about it a bit tonight. It is stunning to go around the world and travel with them or travel after them and really hear how many lives they have touched um, and what an extraordinary they are making, an extraordinary impact they are making on village after village, country after country, child after child. Cynthia, a whistleblower from inside the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation at a very high level. 
I told her coming on, they probably figure out who she is. She's, I guess, ready for that. So trying to protect her anonymity. She left there recently because she just couldn't be part of it anymore. There's a lot we can't get into on air, but, uh, you know, you've heard most of the basics of it. And I, I just wanted proof that she worked there. She sent me more than that. And, again, pretty much everything I saw, I went and checked out, and, and is available different government reports. Uh, so it's not like super secret stuff. It's that it's all compartmentalized and broken up, and she was at a key level to be able to give you a big picture. Continue along the line you were on, and then other areas we haven't covered, let's cram it all in, and then give us your, your, you know, your big overview about what's happening. Okay. Um, I, I kind of look at this interview as kind of like giving everybody kind of a 101 on pharma and the, and the foundations and things like that and what's going on with uh, vaccinations. But um, I think what I'd like to kind of cover is how these vaccination, basically they ha- the Gates Foundation is everywhere. I mean everywhere, the Caribbean, you name it. They've got I mean, the earth I, I carved can't... up. You described it as military. Go, tell yeah, us. it's like regions. You know, and they go this region, that region, this region, and then they, you know, and there's a pattern to this. They have a conference, which is pretty much a legitimate, you know, conference, say, on cervical cancer. And But, you know, if you look at all the underwriters and if you go to, like, the Rocker Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, it's all those organizations that you've mentioned before that underwrite it and Big Pharma underwrites it. And then they fly in these little, you know, health ministers and, different people, key people in government in these third world countries and wine and dine them and have them come to the conference and, uh, you know, tell them how they should set up programs in their in their country for this vaccination and different things like that. So it's basically kind of on one level good that they're being informed about cervical cancer in women, but on another level that's how their first level of staging and then they go in and then they... Um, you know, basically offer all these other little services. We'll build you a clinic. We'll buy you, you know, little scooters to go around so people can go to villages. And then they describe to you how much money was spent on one meeting's alcohol? <laughs> like like $12,000 for like a two-day event. <laughs> I was like, geez, I'd like to be the bartender there, you know. Well, it's the and, same thing international groups do with, say, county commissioners. They all fly them up for, you know, $200 steak dinners three times a day and big shows and parties and five-star hotels and everything's paid for. And then, by oh, yeah. the way, we're going to give you campaign donations if you'll pass this to standardize zoning laws. I mean, it's just all about control. Um, and, 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 oh. and remember, they don't follow the same laws. That's the point. They go to these African and other countries. And they say, oh, we're going to give you scooters, give you money, give you these things. Just let us come here and test mm-hmm. drugs that they couldn't test here in the U.S. or England. Right. And um, I have another friend who kind of sets up these conferences and, and things like that. And, and a lot of times they'll pay for their whole family to come and, and different things like that. And then, you you know, you can't help but, you know, oh, they showed us a nice time. They let my wife come, you know. Blah, blah, blah. And then you start to feel a little beholden because they, you know, in third world countries, if you show this kind of hospitality, you have to show hospitality back. So, well, um, I've already had before the Air Force and people say, let us fly you here five star, let us do this and that for you, come see this facility. And they do that to all the media people. You know, it's not like they're right. even targeting Alex Jones or come to Israel. 
uh, you know, see what it's really like in the West Bank. Uh, and it's all part of influence peddling is what it's called. Right. And then they get all these clinics built or little, they, they work on a very base infrastructure and, you know, kind of work up, but then they bring in kind of their key people from the region to be the overseers and then they start their programs and then they start adding what seems like a, you know, maybe a legit program like, um, you know, handing out, you know, mosquito nets or something. And then pretty soon you're vaccinating people. So that's kind of how they, you know, work their way in there. And, and let's specifically uh, briefly get into some of these vaccines. I mean, we're talking about a vaccine to go after a type of uh, intestinal worm that, like you were mm-hmm. saying, uh, attacks its very DNA protein, and, and it's untested, and God knows what that's going to do to other um, proteins in the human body. That's, that's correct, and which is really odd, because a lot of these parasites, you know, uh, coming from a ranching background, you can just go to, like, rancher supply and buy a jug of ivermectin, you know, to worm your hogs or whatever, I mean, that's essentially what they're using is the <laughs> human-grade version of that. And that's and what the health workers previously did. You just worm them yeah, twice came, a year. Yeah, it came in twice, maybe sometimes quarterly. And, you know, that that's a pretty good, effective uh, intestinal wormer. But now they're saying, oh, well, why do they have to do that? Why don't we just give them one vaccine that will keep them from getting these parasites? And you're like, well, parasites evolve. Their protein coats change and, and things like that. So vaccinating somebody against something like that is kind of... Plus, the worm is so similar. I mean, I'm not even a biologist, but I've read the reports when they've done tests in animals, and it, and it, it is routinely causes all sorts of... You start messing with protein uh, in the body with a, with a, quote, vaccine to where the body, what, has an autoimmune response to it, or how is that working? Yeah, I mean, it's like, how do you know that that protein sequence isn't like you know, something your intestine needs or, you know, makes, and, and it's just... Well, take Crohn's. <laughs> take Crohn's. Uh, every major case of Crohn's, there's hundreds of studies on this, they find uh, the, the uh, measles antibodies from the vaccination impregnated into the guts, into the uh, lining, and uh, that's what's causing the autoimmune problem. Well, and you don't know that if this protein isn't something like if you became pregnant or something, it would elicit a response and cause you know, spontaneous abortion or fetal abnormalities to create, you know, so you would end up making antibodies against, you know, if you were pregnant or, you know, whatever, against the fetus. So it's it's really kind of a very suspect area. I mean, how do you know that it won't attack some sort of protein in your brain and start making an autoimmune response to... Well, and like you, you know, said in China now, where most of our vaccines are being made for the U.S. alone, they're, they're making a whole bunch of different types at, a, at the same facility. And then there's all sorts right. of problems there, and they got in problems with regulators here, so they just moved to China. Uh, and 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 then you talked about all the adverse health effects in these countries, and it's just covered up. Right, and um, yeah, and it, uh, this is kind of like tying into you know poison Chinese thing. I was asking a friend of mine who's an epidemiologist and a public health person who has worked at the CDC. I said, you know, when I was looking at they give kids here in the U.S. like 17 vaccines. I said. Why would anybody need a hepatitis vaccine unless you were going to live in a third world country where there's no plumbing or you've been exposed to hepatitis directly like eating at a salad bar or something? And her thought on it was, coming from the FDA, 
you know, the CDC, the government there, is that we're getting so many contaminated products from overseas that they're preemptively vaccinating people because they don't want some, like, horrible hepatitis outbreak among people. That's right. Don't tell Mexico to stop spraying human feces on the crops. Just give everybody a very dangerous vaccine. Right. And, you know, and they're giving just little, you know, as an immunologist, giving a little baby that many vaccinations when your immune system isn't developed. I mean, you don't know how many people I've told who have or are having kids and just are like, don't do this. And they kind of look at me like I'm insane. They're like, well, if it was dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it is dangerous. Don't be vaccinated. Well, it's been admitted the HP is very dangerous in babies, but then that's the really dangerous one they recommend for the newborns. Um, I tell you, I I mean, take Bayer. For over a decade, shipping out over a million, more than a million, uh, uh, ampules of Factor Eight, knowing they knew it had HIV and hepatitis in every shot, but they still did it. I mean, the mindset of these people. Right. And, um, you know, even thing from uh, the Red Cross, not wanting to test for HIV, you know, and infecting people that way. So, um, yeah, it, 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 a lot of it comes down to, you know, money. Unfortunately, and uh, well, at least that's what they want us to believe. Oh, we, we right. you know, we put out blood banks and then on purpose don't test the blood, knowing we're going to kill millions. Or oh, uh, we uh, don't test uh, for you know. I mean, I mean, that is just incredible. Yeah, and and it's very scary. How I, I had a friend who worked at uh, Chiron, and I never could get them to admit to me what was so wrong with their flu vaccine that it was so horrible. I mean, it had to be pretty horrible for them to pull it from the shelves, um, you know, when everybody was panicking. And, then, you know, then I saw these little lemmings going, oh, I need my flu vaccine. You don't never get a flu vaccine ever. I would never get one. And I'm an immunologist. I would never get a flu vaccine. It's just so full of filthy particles from things called cytokines and virokines, and basically, to put it in layman's terms, DNA it's what fragments. cells and viruses, no, it's also what cells and viruses poop out or excrete out, you know, like botulism, you know, the Botox is actually bacteria poop, you know, that they're putting in people's heads. Well, now, well, see, now you've given out a little bit more about what you do as a scientist, we might want to be careful, but specifically, okay. maybe I should keep you longer to get into what's in the vaccines, but but describe those again, the excretia, uh, excreta of the viruses and bacteria. Yeah, they're called cytokines or virokines, and basically they're the products that, you know, the cells are just like a human body. They eat, and then they reproduce, and then they also, you know, excrete, poop, whatever they poop out. And so there's all these weird little protein fragments and things that they excrete out, um, a good example would be uh, a friend of mine had some soup sitting around. She goes, well, I've heated it up and killed all the bacteria. And I said, well, you've killed the bacteria, but that's not the toxic point. The toxic thing is what the bacteria have excreted into your soup. That'll well, well, stay you. there. Really- stay there. That's what gets you with most food poisoning is it isn't the, the bacteria. It's their toxins. I mean, folks, that's what plaque is on your teeth. It's bacteria crap. Uh, stay there. Stay there. Just amazing interview, ladies and gentlemen. The following article I would like to share with you and like to get your feedback on. Let me know what you think about this. The October 22nd article sourced AFP Global News entitled, Flying Syringe Mosquitoes, Other Ideas Get Gates Funding. 
The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation awarded $100,000 each on Wednesday to scientists in 22 countries, including funding for a Japanese proposal to turn mosquitoes into flying syringes delivering vaccines. The charitable foundation, created by the founder of software giant Microsoft, said in a statement that the grants were designed to, quote, explore bold and largely unproven ways to improve global health, exploring hypotheses that challenge conventional wisdom. Among the proposals receiving funding was one from Hiroyuki Matsuoka at Jichi Medical University in Japan. Matsuoka thinks it may be possible to turn mosquitoes that normally transmit disease into flying syringes so that when they bite humans they deliver vaccines, the Gates Foundation said. Founded in 1994, the Seattle, Washington-based Gates Foundation is the largest private philanthropical organization in the world. The foundation is led by CEO Jeff Rakes and co-chair William H. Gates Sr. under the direction of Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett. My concern with this particular type of project and research is that um, more harm can come from that than good, especially if it, it goes and falls into the wrong hands. If it were able to be successfully be developed, that, that could easily be turned into a weapon. The fact that a grant is being given for research in this indicates to me that there is sufficient evidence that um, it is indeed possible. I'd like to hear your comments, uh, video responses. Let me know what you think about this. Each year in the U.S., thousands of women learn they have cervical cancer. I could be one less. One less statistic. One less. Because now there's Gardasil, the only vaccine that may help protect you from the four types of human papillomavirus that may cause 70% of cervical cancer. I want to be one less woman who will battle cervical cancer. One less. Like all vaccines, Gardasil may not fully protect everyone. The side effects include pain, swelling, itching and redness at the injection site, fever, nausea, or dizziness. Gardasil is not for women who are pregnant. Gardasil does not prevent all types of cervical cancer, so it is important to continue with routine cervical cancer screening. Gardasil will not treat cervical cancer. Ask your doctor about getting vaccinated with the only cervical cancer vaccine, Gardasil. 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 With Gardasil, you could be one less. This is Mike Adams, the Health Ranger for Newstarget.com. Now what if everything you've been told about Gardasil and the HPV vaccines was a lie? What if it wasn't even true that HPV causes cervical cancer? What if the FDA knew years ago that HPV infections don't cause cancer, but they covered it up, refused to tell people about it? What if Gardasil was just pushed by pseudoscientific nonsense, complete junk science, and not only was useless in preventing cervical cancer, but was also potentially harmful to young women? What if all that were true? Well, I'm here to tell you today, I think it is true. In fact, I'm going to show you why that's true. I've just finished a special report called The Great HPV Vaccine Hoax Exposed. And you can find it on Newstarget.com right now. It's a free report. Go check it out at Newstarget.com. I'm going to go through some of the highlights right here and show you what's really going on with these HPV vaccines. It all starts with this company here, Hi-Fi DNA Tech. This company 
uh, they have a device that actually detects HPV infections. They tried to get this reclassified by the FDA into a class 2 medical device, which would allow them to have it sold so they could sell it in the open market. To do that, they had to file a petition with the FDA. Now, that petition revealed some interesting documents showing that the FDA knew in 2003 that, in fact, HPV infections, that is the human papilloma virus infection, doesn't cause cervical cancer. And I'm going to use the FDA's own documents to show this to you. Here's a document called FDA Approves Expanded Use of HPV Test. You can find this on the FDA's own website. This was released in 2003. It's a press release. And it says, quote, Most women who become infected with HPV are able to eradicate the virus and suffer no apparent long-term consequences to their health. And that means eradicate it on their own, without intervention, without a vaccine. It means that HPV infections are self-limiting. The same press release also says that although the rate of HPV infection in this group is high, most infections are short-lived and not associated with cervical cancer. You got that? Not associated with cervical cancer. It's right here on the press release. Now you can check out my special report on Newstarget.com and you can see the links to this document yourself. You can go read it yourself. I've even saved copies of this in case the FDA deletes it. Because they've been known to do that from time to time. Now, as the petition to the FDA states, and this is also found in the FDA archives, it is now generally agreed that identifying and typing HPV infection does not bear a direct relationship to stratification of the risk for cervical cancer. In other words, there's no link between HPV and cervical cancer. We've all been lied to. We've been told that this virus causes cancer and that in, in order to protect young girls from cancer, we have to give them a vaccine. Well, it turns out that not only is that not true, but in fact, these vaccines may cause an increase in the risk of precancerous lesions in young girls. Yes, you heard me correctly, that the vaccine may actually harm certain women. Now, here's a study that supports that. It's called the VRB PAC Background Document. This is also on the FDA's website. I've got a link to it in my special report. And in this document, if you read carefully, you will find that the, the authors of this study are very concerned about the risk of harm to women who receive the vaccine. They, they even title it Concerns Regarding Primary Endpoint. And as it shows right here, what I've circled, observed efficacy is minus 44.6%. That means that the vaccine actually caused an increase in disease of 44.6%. Now that's in certain subgroups of women, it's not in all women, certain groups, but it means that the vaccine potentially poses a serious risk of harm to some women. And we've been told this vaccine is perfectly safe, right? We've been told no problem, anyone can get the vaccine. They've even tried to promote this vaccine for young boys. Didn't anyone tell them boys don't have a cervix? So these people are crazy. They just try to promote these drugs for anything. It's classic fear-mongering and classic disease-mongering for the sole purpose of selling more expensive pharmaceuticals and vaccines to people who don't need them. Now, here's another interesting study that showed up in the August 2007 issue of JAMA. That's the Journal of the American Medical Association. I've also got a link to this document in my special report. This document has some interesting results. 
shows that the vaccine just doesn't work most of the time. In fact, it shows, uh, if you look at the conclusion from the authors, they say, quote, and this is printed in JAMA, quote, no significant evidence of a vaccine therapeutic effect was observed in analyses restricted to women who received all doses of the vaccine. It also says that, quote, rates of viral clearance over a 12-month period are not influenced by vaccination. In other words, you can get the vaccine. It doesn't affect whether or not you still carry that virus over a period of 12 months. It has no effect at all on the women studied uh, that, that we've talked about here in, in this published study. doesn't mean it's with all women, but again, this is the subgroup that was studied. A final quote from these study authors, quote, given that viral clearance rates did not uh, differ by treatment group and that persistent viral infection is the best established predictor of risk of infection, uh, I'm sorry, progression, it is unlikely that vaccination could have a significant beneficial impact on rate of lesion progression. Now they're talking about precancerous lesions. And what that says, translated into plain English, is that basically the vaccine does not affect the rate of progression of precancerous lesions. Now, all this runs counter to what we've been told by the FDA, doesn't it? In fact, Merck, the manufacturer of Gardasil, the vaccine being used here, probably would disagree with all this information. But I think that that's because their marketing of these HPV vaccines is based on just junk science. It's not based on solid science. It's based on fear campaigns. They know that if they can scare enough women into being afraid of cervical cancer, that they can market these vaccines and get a lot more people to buy into them. And they can make billions of dollars from doing that, especially if they can get the states to mandate these vaccines for young women. And they already have Texas doing it, and other states are talking about it. It's a big push, and it's not based on any science whatsoever. Now, I know that videos on YouTube have been attacked by scientists who say they don't have accurate information about vaccines. So that's why I brought these documents here. You can go to Newstarget.com right now. You can check these out for yourself. You can read them for yourself, print them, study them, look at the numbers yourself, and you can see that the pro-vaccination lobby is full of bunk. It's nothing but hype, fear-mongering, disease-mongering, and really clever marketing designed to sell more vaccines to young girls who don't need them, who won't benefit from them, and who, in fact, might be harmed by them. Haven't we had enough of that nonsense? Isn't it time to stand up and really protect the health of our young children, our, our teens, our women in society? Isn't it time to stand up against this fear-mongering and disease-mongering by big pharma and pharmaceutical companies like Merck that have been involved in tax evasion and fraud and price-fixing and all kinds of other problems and, and what I consider to be criminal behavior? And I've documented that on my website as well. I think it's time to stand up to these companies and say no to these mandatory vaccinations. Let's protect our children from these drug companies and say no to vaccinations. Thanks for listening. My name's Mike Adams, the Health Ranger for Newstarget.com. Last fall, we urged the entire population to get the flu shot. Va chercher ton flu shot. Fatti il vaccino per l'influenza. And you did. And now many of you are getting the flu anyway. Sorry about that. 
Mi dispiace. Tenne fece di tutto oggi. You did your civic duty and you got screwed. Ma te hanno fregato. Hai ne dici molto già. The flu shot never stops the latest flu that's going around. That's why it's going around. <laughs> Relax, we'll we'll get it next time. Health Canada injecting you next fall against whatever's going around now. Here are some of the questions about FDA and the flu vaccine that some of your patients may be asking this time of year. For example, people often ask about what kinds of flu vaccines are available. The answer is that there are two types, the traditional flu shot given intramuscularly, which contains killed or inactivated virus, and a nasal spray, which contains attenuated live virus. The injection is approved for various ages and population groups, but the nasal spray is approved only for healthy people between the ages of 5 and 49. People often ask why the supply of vaccine during each year's flu season seems so unpredictable and why shortages sometimes arise. Part of the answer is that because the virus mutates, each year's vaccine is different from preceding years. And that means that a batch of vaccine can't be kept and used the following year. Early each year, a public health committee has to decide which three strains of the virus are going to be included in that year's vaccine. The goal is to be sure that the strains in the vaccine are similar to the ones that are going to be in circulation for that particular flu season. To complicate the picture, it takes at least six months to produce a flu vaccine using the present method, which involves using millions of live eggs to grow the virus. In the future, we hope that new methods using cell cultures or recombinant protein or DNA-based vaccines will make the process shorter, but it will be years before those technologies can be used to mass-produce a flu vaccine. While it's still too early to predict how much vaccine is going to be available for the upcoming flu season, FDA recently approved a new inactivated vaccine called Fluorix for immunizing adults 18 and older. This is going to offer an additional vaccine supplier for the upcoming flu season and help increase the number of doses that are available. You can find a projection of the number of doses that each manufacturer expects to produce and distribute on the CDC website, which you can get to from our website. 50% or so of your revenue comes from uh, pharmaceutical advertising. It's not going to be a hard leap to understand there are significant conflicts of interest out there. And when you have news releases being coming from basically public relations firms that are representing pharmaceutical interests coming out and being portrayed as if it is news, like we talk about the flu shot uh, in every flu season they come out and warn you you've got to get your flu shot. Well, that happens only when the stocks of the flu shot come in. Then they have to drum up the customer base. So there is a lot of awareness now coming even to the media about the, um, let's say, the, it was an epidemic of silence of just like, yeah, we'll take your press release and pretend it's real science. Yet a lot of people within that pseudoscientific community, doctors that have integrity, are stepping up and saying, you know, this isn't very scientific. When we have to guess which flu strain is going to hit this year, and that's how we determine what's in the flu shot, it's a lucky guess. You know, you can't claim the, uh, the mantle of science with that kind of uh, protocol unless you're in Las Vegas, perhaps. 
That, isn't that a great idea? There are about 235 of these clinics spread out over 35 states, Reggie. And one lady in line just asked me, oh, so when you go to vote, they just give you a jab in the arm? And I said, no, 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 you have to ask for it. It's completely voluntary. <laughs> so you'll see there are ladies in red T-shirts behind me who are uh, asking people, do you want to get a flu shot while you go vote? It's just a way to make two things simple, voting and vaccination. Just get them over with both at the same time. Elizabeth, I'm curious how long that line is right now, because for me, getting, I would go for the flu vaccine just to stave off boredom. <laughs> right, exactly. Although, actually, you get the shot after you vote. So oh, I see. Okay. They don't give it to you while you're in line. They get you inside. It's, it's too cold out here to roll up your sleeve. No way. It's way too cold. This line snakes all the way around this building. It is at least a two-hour wait here. It may even be longer at this point. And I'll tell you, Reggie, they've only been vaccinating since 10 this morning. They've already done more than 50 vaccines. They did 100 yesterday in the whole day. So they're doing lots of flu shots here. Their goal was to do 100 today. They're definitely going to get beyond that. Maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about uh, who should be getting these flu shots, because that's a question that comes up every year. It does, and Reggie, the answer this year is really quite different. Many more people are supposed to get it. In fact, when you total it up, 85% of all Americans ought to get a flu shot. So let's go through the list. First, babies and children between the ages of 6 months and 18 years are supposed to get a flu shot, and adults 50 and over are supposed to get flu shots, and anyone who lives with people in those two groups are supposed to get flu shots plus a whole bunch of other people such as those with chronic diseases and that's how you get the 85 percent so really more likely than not you're supposed to get a flu shot i see and i guess there are a couple of exceptions including if, if, is it still true that if you're allergic to eggs that you shouldn't be getting one Absolutely. If you're allergic to eggs or any other component of the shot, you're not supposed to get a flu shot. All right. This is a, really a fantastic idea, and I'm glad that you're bringing it to our attention. <laughs> and, hey, you can kill two birds with one stone. Vote and get that vaccine at the same time. Elizabeth Cohen, who is uh, in Atlanta at one of That's the... That's right. Just get... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that one of the things that's interesting here is they actually do take insurance. Not all places will, but they will take your insurance. So for a lot of people, it's free. And even if you don't have insurance, it's only 25 bucks. So that's not too bad. Introduced at the request of Richard Daines, the commissioner of New York State Department of Health, calls for changes to the law in order to make recommended inoculation because see the hoax it's now been exposed that it was a hoax and that was getting them about 95 percent but now the hoax is over the criminals hoax is over see there's no law they're criminals what does it take a government that lies all the time to you i care about you you idiot police you idiot school teachers. You idiot Americans. Stop being idiots. Stop it! I've had hundreds of guests and scientists and doctors on. I've read all the source documents. I've played clips of the father of the polio vaccine admitting it had cancer viruses in it and more and AIDS, HIV. I've proven it. They're killing you, dude. Why do you want to die? Why do you want to believe their lies? What is your problem? What is your major malfunction? You ought to thank God for me up here warning you that I've still got my head screwed on straight and I'm angry and upset. Folks, I have got as much instinct as a cow. 
Humans used to have the best instincts, the smartest, the most cunning, the best sixth sense. You've had it bred out of you, engineered out of you, poisoned out of you. You get a bunch of cows at the slaughterhouse, and that's why they get them in tiny squeeze chutes and then only bring them into the main slaughter area one at a time. And most plants, and they usually got an air gun, fires a bolt into their head because if you get other cows in there and they see that going on, they'll go nuts. Nuts like you've never seen breaking their legs, ramming through things, doing things. It's a, a cow will fight back. And that's all I'm doing, folks. I'm in the chute, just, just slobbering and freaking out. And you're sitting there drooling like a bunch of idiots behind me. They got one cow up hanging by its legs in front of you, blood pouring out its neck and huge pools, and you're just snickering, telling me that isn't one of our fellow cows getting their throat slit right in front of us, you idiots. Oh, God, I can't do it anymore. I, just, I can't. I want out of here. I want to go to some happy, friendly country where this isn't going on. There's evil going on all around you. They're feeding on your neighbors down the street. But you don't know your neighbors anymore, so you're not aware of what's happening. I get so mad reading this article, I just, I, I just can't control myself. Jesus. Assembly Bill 10942 introduced. At the, it, we're only a few years away from cops coming to your house and SWAT teaming you if you don't shoot your kids up. And I'm just telling the cops right now, you're pushing and pushing. The globalists know people are going to fight back. Then they're going to say, see, there is homegrown terrorism. And then you're going to all get your butts kicked, and they're going to bring in foreign troops. You understand you pushed far enough, you slime ball, think you're tough punks. Assembly Bill 10942, introduced at the request of Richard Danes, the commissioner of the New York State Department of Health, calls for changes to the law in order to make recommended inoculation compulsory in order for children to attend school. The bill would also permit the administration of vaccines for sexually transmitted infections to minors without parental consent. Now that is a huge, they're already taking your kids for abortions without your consent. Your, your, your 12 or 13 year old, in some cases as young as 10, they got to have a letter to go to the zoo with the government training camp. But not to have a baby ripped out of them. But you don't care. It's all part of being scum. You let the scum, filth, degenerate, viperous, murdering, trash, commie government just have its way with your kids while they train them to tattle on you and everything else. And you've had all your instincts sucked out of you where you think a bunch of vampiric scumbag government leering over your children. The state stating in California's Supreme Court that the state owns your children. Remember that? And that homeschooling is illegal in California. You're out of control. The government's dirtbag. <sighs> the bill would also permit the administration of vaccines for sexually transmitted infections to minors without parental consent. Merck, when they're not killing you with their Vioxx, they've got their uh, Gardasil, which admittedly has killed a whole bunch of people and causes horrible autoimmune things that look like Ebola with blood pouring out of every orifice. Go read it. Had women on, it's almost killed on this show. And uh, it's been in the news, it's killed a bunch. And then they say on the insert, go look it up on their own website. It says, does it protect you from cancer? Does it protect you from, from this type of virus? We think it might protect you from a few strains of 350. It might cover four to six. But if you already have the virus, which around half the population has of men and women, then it gives you a 45% increase in cancer. Oh, they know it gives you cancer, but you're too stupid. You think the government gives you sweet milk, and you sit there suckling off of its snake breast. When you don't understand, it's pure death!
I have to watch my fellow humans march into the death camps in front of me. But it's all done in an orderly fashion of ignorance and moronicness. Do you hear all the scientists and guests and New World Order people I have on who I tear apart? And it's not because I'm smart. I understand the system. I study it. It's what I do. I know what I'm talking about. I've told you the truth and nothing but the truth. And this is why I want to reach people. This is why I want to get out to more people. This is why I want to bust my butt and build a studio and do it myself and tape a TV show and try to get it on five nights a week on Dish Network because then we can hype it and get big listenership and have street teams out getting the word out. My God, if it was all paid for, I'd have no commercials on it. As it is, it'll probably have commercials. I mean, I need your help, man. I just want to warn people. Listen. You go warn people about how this stuff's killing them. You write articles. You go out and tell them. I just want to tell people. I just want to reach people. Because it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It isn't going to stop. They do everything they said they were going to do. Right down the line. They say they're going to do this, they do it. They say they're going to do that, and they've said... So, so I, I, I've seen their whole battle plan. They, what, they admit what they're going to do. And up here, it's killing 80 to 90% of us, flying over, spraying us in the end, killing us in mass, activating cancer systems they put in us, all this stuff. And they're already up to here, and I'm like, my God, they keep doing everything they say they're going to do. My God, they're really going to do it. My God, my God, warn people! And they're evil. They're so evil. And I just wish good people would wake up and fight back against this. I was screaming so loud earlier, I tore something up in my throat. <laughs> I was coughing up blood earlier. It's because my soul is torn apart. I am just so angry. I don't have the strength or the will. I'm trying to push a rock up a hill. I need your help. I just want to warn people. I just want to arrest all these people that have done this. Uh, it's their own documents, their own treason. They all write books about how they're going to enslave us and how it's funny and how we're dumb. And then you just sit there laughing at me while they're laughing at you. I want to get them. I want to get people that want to get me. I don't go around looking for fights, but I sure as will stand up against somebody that starts one with me. And I've tried to get away from it. I've tried to run away. I've tried to tell myself it's going to be all right. I've tried to tell myself we're going to win and it's going to be okay, but not unless we put out a full effort. I've tried to avoid this. I've tried to deny this. You, this is something you can't run away from this. You don't have a choice. They're not going to stop coming. They're not going to stop pushing. They're organized. They're focused. They're coming to kill you. From the bottom of my heart, go research the facts. Research it all. The bill would also permit the administration of vaccines for sexually transmitted infections To minors without parental consent. God, that's the state becoming your, the parents. Separate sections of the bill would also come into effect next year, with others becoming law in 2010. So there you have it. No more uh, do you control your children or do they control it. The state, under the new eugenic social system, controls you. AChamp, a national nonpartisan political action organization formed by parents to support of children with neuro Developmental and Communication Disorders has called for rejection of the bill and is demanding the passage of A5468-S3031 in the Senate, a bill that would give individuals a right to a philosophical exemption 
They don't have to give us, see, that we already have the right. They're now claiming we don't have that right. The group's press release highlights the key points of the bill. My God. All children at birth will be injected. If you don't like it, a SWAT team will murder you. Yeah, you resist, they'll come kill you. All children, it's hell on earth. It's war against us. Eugenicists coming with their HIV-filled injectors, with their cancer-filled injectors, with their mercury-filled. Audacity. Audacity is important. You do the unthinkable, the unbelievable, and you do it big in front of the whole world. And because you, the individual, could never, you understand the small little lies, the white lies, but you couldn't imagine anyone getting up in front of cameras, never mind groups of people, and conning and fooling the whole public of the planet. But that's exactly what's happening. To bring in a brave new world, you'd use every weapon in the arsenal, and it's happening. It's happening. probably the most important aspect of propaganda is aimed at giving you perceptions of things authorized perceptions because we think in predictable manners we come to conclusions in predictable manners by those who understand the mind the culture the language when you're able to jump out of the box you can see things from every angle remember in architecture and these guys use a lot of architectural terminology in their societies you must be able to see something from all kinds of points of view knowing that the people who visit such a structure once it's completed generally see it from the front or just the side they don't see it from the top or even the bottom or, or uh, interdimensional viewpoints and so on. They don't see that. They see something that's presented to them. And that all things are put to us in such a fashion so that we'll all come to the same perception. We have to break out of the conditioning of the fake perceptions to save our skins, basically. Because the guys at the top mean business. They've been doing things to the public on a quiet scale for a long, long time. Silent weapons for quiet wars. <laughs>